Three, two, one. Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Sunbelt, your team every day. I'm your host, Dave Schultz. I host Afternoons on Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP in uh, Mobile, Alabama, covering the South Alabama Jaguars. And prior to that, covering the Louisiana Raging Cajuns uh, and hosting mornings on 103.7 uh, The Game. Honored to have our next guest on. He is the first-year head coach, Mike Desimo, uh, of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. So we're about, I don't know, 360 days since you got this gig. You found out the day before the Sunbelt Championship game. Is that right? Last yeah, year. That's, whenever, that's whenever I found out, yeah. All right, so uh, why don't you just summarize uh, – the job you've been on it for a year, your first time head coaching in college football. Uh, what's it been like? I mean, overall, it's been good. You know, I mean, um, certainly this year there, there's ups and downs and there's, you know, there's all kinds of things. I think anytime you, anytime you get a new job, you know, there's always things that you don't expect that come with it. Um, and, you know, there's, you got to navigate some of those things that it's always, you know, maybe a little bit more, um, Maybe there's you pulled in a few more directions than what you thought. You know, you you knew that there was going to be other things, but you know, you just got to kind of manage it. And you know, one of the big things I think for me is that I've got great people that I get to work with every day. Um, they do a fantastic job. Uh, they work really hard at what they do, and so it allows you know it allows me to really not have to worry about a lot of things and let them handle it, do their job, and I just get to kind of keep moving on the things that I've got to. So I mean, it's been really good this year. Certainly learned a lot. Um, learn how to delegate things a little bit better. You know, you learn how to manage your time more effectively. Um, and, you know, and certainly you're always kind of reflective and looking back on the, on the things that, you know, decisions that you make and the choices that you, that you make and the way that you do things and trying to improve it for the next year and moving forward. So interesting. You brought it up being pulled in different directions. You were a very unique situation where literally the hometown kid got the hometown job. So if we compare it to like a Rob Sale, who could have stayed in, in Louisiana and gotten a job. Uh, he would have only known the people he'd known there for a, a handful of years since, you know, you, you and him both joined Billy Napier's staff. But when you got the job, everybody knows you and you know everybody. So, I mean, that must have been, obviously you don't have to, you know, put a staff together completely, uh, uh, you know, and, you know, trying to get people to come and uh, move and move the family. You're already there. So how that was a little bit different than most of these head coaches who, you know, maybe, maybe new to their areas. The the last thing being a former player and a coach there, uh, you were not new to the community. So how did that hamper or help you once you started? You know, I mean, I, I think there's, there's probably good and bad and everything, you know, I mean, it was, uh, it was certainly, it was very humbling, you know, the response from the people, you know, friends, family, just, you know, people that I've you know, known here for a long time. And, you know, their response was all so positive and, and you know, I'm very appreciative of that. Um, you know, I kind of made a joke. I've been, should have, I've been having the same cell phone number since I was in high school. I should have changed it. Probably, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I should have changed it when I got the job. Uh, but, you know, I mean, no, it, it's, it's been overall, it's been a great thing. I mean, you know, maybe I'm a little bit more accessible just because of how long I've been here and, you know, some of the relationships I've had in different roles that I've been in. Um, but I, I mean, I don't think that's a bad thing. You know, uh, I still have to kind of learn sometimes maybe when to say no, you know, yeah. sometimes when yeah. to say, okay, that's, that's probably enough, you know, probably need to, you know, need to just not spend any time on that. But, uh, but that's hard for me. 
um, just because so many people have helped me get to this position along the way. And, and so many of these people have just been, you know, unbelievable. You know, they supported me, you know, whenever, you know, whenever it wasn't, you know, really, I guess maybe a, a popular thing or it wasn't easy to do. Um, so I'm, I'm appreciative to, of those people. And so to me, it's nothing but a blessing, um, you know, and I just think the more people that we have that are interested and actively invested in raging cage and football and athletics, it's just, it's only, it's only a good thing. Talking to Mike Desimo, the uh, head coach of Louisiana Raging Cajuns on Locked On Sunbelt. I do appreciate you taking the time and saying yes to this. So that was very kind of you. Uh, tried to do it after a win, because so I knew you'd be in a good mood. Uh, but let's talk about the team on the field. Uh, very unique over the last few days, uh, watching all the teams with the different quarterback situations. You had uh, two guys going back and forth until, I guess, injuries sort of uh, worked those things out. We'll talk about that in a second. But they, even the you know, Jaguars basically had one, but two quarterbacks play. And then you look at Southern Miss and our buddy Will Hall had five different quarterbacks play. Uh, what was it like shuffling uh, between Ben Woldridge and Chandler Fields? Is Ben okay, you know, injury-wise? Uh, and uh, what's it like having to deal with, you know, going back and forth with quarterbacks? You know, <clears throat> I don't think the plan was really to to go back and forth for us, um, you know, coming out of the out of fall camp. <laughs> those guys had battled back and forth for a long time and, and really um, felt like coming out of camp Chandler had won the job and we were going to play Ben a couple of series a game, two to three series a game, just because mm. felt like he deserved to play um, with the way they competed. And then in the long run, I felt like if there were injuries, we'd be better off having him had some experience. Um, and you kind of fast forward and Chandler, you know, the re truth of it is, is that Chandler was was really he wasn't 100 percent playing probably the last game and a half that he played. Mm. Um, you know, he was kind of battling some things. And then Ben, you know, had been playing, played well. So whenever we realized that Chandler was probably, you know, truthfully, was probably hurt a little bit more than what he kind of led us on to believe. Oh. Um, you, you know, I mean, you know how these guys are. I mean, they want to compete. Sure. So, he of course, kinda, you know, he probably kind of minimized how, you know, the pain that he was in. So once, you know, he kind of expressed to us how he was really feeling, um, you know, Ben just took off and played great and our team responded to him. And, you know, it was certainly um, never part of the plan, you know, I mean, and, and it's tough, you know, when you kind of lose your spot to an injury, um, but just the response that the team had and the way that Ben had played and the whole team played better, you know, we just kind of went that direction. And, you know, to Chandler's credit, I mean, got to say, I mean, the guy, he just came to work every day and just kept working and said, look, coach, he said, I understand. He goes, you know, we're playing better right now. He said, if i got to be the backup the rest of the year for two weeks for whatever it is, he's like, that's fine. He goes, I just, he goes, you know, I, I don't just, I'm good, you know, just whatever it takes for us to win. And I mean, not many people like that anymore. Um, and so Chandler did that as a backup for a few weeks and then Ben gets hurt one day and, uh, Next thing you know, Chandler's back in the mix, and he's played really well for us. You know, I mean, last week against Texas State, he was outstanding. Made great decisions, made really good throws, uh, commanded the offense, and you know, he, you know, like I said, I mean, we we had a lot of confidence in him from the beginning. You know, he won the job with two quarterbacks that I felt like both of them could play winning football for us. So, um, you know, we kind of had a kind of a little bit of a of a circus year to get to where we are right here, but you know, that's uh. Yes, that's where we're at. How'd that conversation go? Hey, Chandler, we got this game against Florida State. Want to start? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was 
Ben actually got hurt in practice, um, which which is obviously very unfortunate. Um, but he got hurt in practice, you know, on a, on a Tuesday practice, and mm. you know Chandler jumped in there and took the rest of the reps, and for the that was the way it went, you know. So he uh, and he played well against Florida State, truthfully. Uh, we're talking with Mike Desimo, head coach of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. All right, we've just seen some crazy ball games uh, this year uh, from, you know, this past weekend's, uh, you know, Georgia Southern App State ball game where it was back and forth. Uh, your game against Southern Miss. I mean, the first play of the game is an interception, uh, and then they get way out in front. They have a huge second quarter, and then you guys actually have the ball at the end of the ball game. And then, you know, you, you have a game like you did against Texas State where you guys were basically in control, certainly by the end of the second quarter and early third. What's it like when you are coaching? You know, do you realize where the game is or do you are you just going series to series like, all right, we have control. Well, we don't have control. We're never going to get control. Let's just kind of go with the flow. Yeah, I mean, you know, football is such a game of emotion uh, and, and ebbs and flows and momentum and all those things. Uh, you know, we we have played. God, I mean, to say we've we played some strange games this year, it's an understatement. Um, <clears throat> you know, you go out there and I think the big thing is capturing momentum. You know, you talked about the Southern Miss game and it's like, you know, you get interception right away. You got a chance to go capture momentum. We get stopped on fourth and short, fourth and one. Then they get a couple of touchdowns back to back. Next thing you know, I mean, that was one of the craziest games I've ever been a part of. You know, the way yeah. it kind of slid early. Um you know, a couple of huge plays by them. And it was like, next thing you know, you're just, they're way out. And you're like, whoa, you know, you're trying to, trying to stop the bleeding. Um, it's, I think you kind of have to have a little bit of an understanding of kind of where you are in each game and where the momentum is. And I think it's one thing for our team that I do believe we got better at as the year went on. You know, early in the year, there wasn't a lot of emotion or celebration when good things happened and we didn't feed off mm -hmm. of each other a whole lot. Um and as the season went on, we got better and better at it. And I think, you know, football is a game that you have to play with a certain level of emotion and intensity. Um, it's just – that's just the way that the game is. It can't just all be business-like and just, okay, well, this is just what it is. I mean, you have to play and you have to practice with that type of emotion. And, you know, for our team, I think early in the year, we were still figuring out who we were. You know, I mean, a lot of people in new roles – um, even guys that have been here were in new roles and certainly a lot of, you know, guys are contributing for the first time. And you now we just had to kind of figure out how we had to win games. We had to figure out kind of how we could feed off of each other. And, um, you know, as the years going on, we've gotten better at all those things. So, you know, I, I just, you go in every game, man, of course you want every game just to roll, right. Just go sure. in your favor and roll. Um, you always kind of, prepare, you know, you always hope for the best and prepare for the worst, right? You always hope that sure. that's the game, the way that it goes, but then you're always prepared for, all right, it's going to be tip for tat. You know, we got to go back and forth right here. You've got to respond. And I think you talk about those things on the sideline, try to keep it from getting out of hand. You know, hey, we need a response right here, you know, on offense or defense, whatever the case may be. We've got to find a way to go either put a plug in it, right? We got to stop them from scoring or we need to score, whatever the case may be. Um, and, and I think you talk about those things and throughout practice, you know, um, through the different, you know, team periods and different points of emphasis, you kind of talk about those things like, hey, look, it's a sudden change. You know, the ball's in the red zone. we got to go score a touchdown here. And, you know, you just try to continue to talk about those things. So when you get in the game, at least you've – even if it had, <clears throat> hadn't been in the game, at least you've talked about it. You know, you've kind of done it a little bit in practice and 
they're hearing it for the second, third, fourth, fifth time, not the first. Talking to Mike Desimo, a head coach of Louisiana Raging Cajuns on lockdown Sunbelt. Yeah, I had people reaching out to me. What's wrong with the Cajuns? Like, well, you know, they had a coaching change. They lost some players. Uh, they lost some coaches. And I'm like, you know, the sky isn't exactly falling. They're not getting blown out by ULM. They'd lose disappointingly. They lost on a close game to, to South Alabama. But I kind of felt like that. You mentioned the emotion. That sort of came back. I mean, you guys could have totally packed it in after the, uh, you know, Troy ball game. But, you know, I mean, you guys. You know, you come out against Georgia Southern on a short week. Also, there's an eagle in the stadium. Did that freak you out a little bit? I didn't realize Georgia Southern travels with their eagle. I think that's so cool. Good thing LSU doesn't do that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know the eagle was here either. The, the eagle is pretty <laughs> impressive at their place, though. It, it is. Yeah, that's pretty good. All right, so then, so then we we see the. Uh, I mean, you guys were back up, you know, backs up against the wall, and you come away with a win against Georgia Southern, and then you had to go on the road. And winning on the road, it doesn't matter what the competition is or what's going on with the other team. Winning on the road in college football, it doesn't matter the level, is hard. Uh, and what was the what was the mindset going into to the Texas State game, knowing you guys needed a win to go to get to a bowl game? Well, uh, you know, the thing we talked about, we just said, look, it's a playoff game. You know, I mean, that's plain and simple. It's it's playoff game. If you win, you're, you know, you're in the playoffs and you're playing. If you don't, then, you know, you'll be at home watching. So, you know, for us, that's the approach that we took. Um, you know, I, I mean, I couldn't be more proud of this team and these kids this year than I am. You know, I mean, like I said, we, we lost some games in some crazy ways, you know, and, you know, whether it be bad snaps or, you know, couple missed chip shot field goals whenever I mean you know Kenny well enough you've seen right. Kenny make kicks man 50 you know I mean just some of the right craziest craziest things you know we, we blew a 17 point lead in the fourth quarter in a game that you know I've never been right. around never right. seen that you know here before so you know we just we've had some of those things happen and I think it it provided a lot of opportunities for our players to you know to fold it up and they didn't and to see them finish the year the way they did um you know, I'm just I'm proud of them, and I'm I'm happy we got another game because the senior class they deserve that, and uh, you know we're gonna we're gonna work our hardest and we're gonna prepare our best to go out there and go try to win them one more game. All right, I got to ask you a couple of questions about a couple of local players here in Mobile. They play for the Raging Cajuns. Eric Guerra, he's like 25, right? He's been there for a decade. He's been the he's been there forever. And and wide yeah. receiver uh, Michael Jefferson. Do they go at each other during uh, during practice? And I mean, Garrett is this great punt returner and, and great corner. Uh, and Michael Jefferson has really blossomed as a wide receiver. Yeah, man, those two guys are. Uh, I mean, they're they're special. They're they're great kids. You know, I mean, obviously, Eric. You know, I was here whenever we recruited him out of high school early on, and you know, everything about him. You know, all the all the tangible things, right? If you look at his height and his length, all that stuff. All the tangible things say, well, this guy's too small. He's too this. He's too that. But all of the intangible things, when you talk to him, you realize how much he understands the game. You realize what kind of person he is, what kind of competitor he is. Everything on that end tells you this guy's going to be elite. And for us, he's been elite since day one. I mean, he started here as a true freshman um, and has made plays from the very beginning. You know, as a returner, the guy has just, I mean, he's turned into a weapon here in the conference. I mean, I'd be terrified to kick the ball to him, you know, with right. just the way that he, I mean, he, he sets up blocks. He's tough as nails. He catches everything. He never lets it hit and roll, um, you know, and he's not scared to catch it in traffic. Um, so Eric has just been, 
I, I don't know. I can't say enough about him and <clears throat> what he means to our team. And I tell, you know, I tell a lot of these corners, especially these younger corners, you know, because when you have a good player like him, you're more likely to take guys in a similar mold. You know, as a coach, it's easy when you have a guy that's really successful and they've got maybe these types of attributes. You say, okay, well, I can see this in the next guy. So we've got some more of those field corners that are, you know, similar stature and stuff like that. You know, but the thing that you're telling them constantly is, man, watch what he does and how he does it. Like, go pick his brain, like understand why he's thinking what he's thinking, like go through his thought process, because that's what makes him different for us is just the way he thinks the game and competes. Um, and, and Michael, I mean, that guy's been unbelievable for us. You know, he came here last year. I didn't know much about him, you know, coming out. He was in the transfer portal and we took him at receiver. Um and he came in here, you know, we took, we actually took a couple of them, uh, two X's, you know, with him and John Stevens. And I didn't know much about him. I was still an assistant when we got those guys. And um, he shows up and I mean, obviously, you know, you look at them like, whoa, like they're like on opposite ends. You know, you look at him and you're like, yeah, that's exactly what it's supposed to look like. And, um, but then you start thinking, all right, well, what's, what's wrong? You know what I mean? Like there's always that thought, you know, right. You got, right. Like right. A, it's like a Christmas present, you know, it just kind of showed up and you're like, wait, this doesn't, this isn't right. You know, it's too good to be true. Um, and you get out there and you could tell, man, he was really raw, but I mean, he had all the movements and all the, the, the movement skills and the speed and explosion that you want. And, you know, the thing that about MJ is that that guy, he is the exact same guy. It doesn't matter. You know, he had a great game against Southern Miss, right? He had a bunch of yards, a bunch of catches. It doesn't matter if he's got, you know, 150 yards receiving, or if he's got two catches for 20 yards, he's the same guy every single day. He shows up, he comes to work. He doesn't say a whole lot. All he does is just grind and just work. Um, and he's made himself, you know, you, you can see his progression. If you go back and watch like his high school tape all the way through where he is now, I mean, you can just see the progress that he's made consistently, you know, from, you know, from high school all the way through to now. And, you know, the guy's a great practice player. Football matters to him. He's tough as nails. He blocks. He plays on special teams. He makes tackles. Um, these, I mean, you're talking about two elite humans, too. Like, both of these guys, they are absolutely as good a people as they possibly become. So, um, you know, I hate to see them go for us because they make us better in every way possible. Um, but I'm so excited about for their future. Uh, because those 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 are special kids, man. They they really are, and they're uh, you know they're some of the best that we got. And I, I love those two guys, man. All right, a couple more questions for head coach Mike Desimo on Locked On Sun Belt. Uh, your team every day. All right, lots going on. Right, you're going to get a bowl game here by the end of the week. Uh, you got finals, so there's a little bit more practice you got to get in there, uh, and then there's the <laughs> transfer portal, and the signing day is actually you know a week later this year, how do you guys get organized and how do you attack all of that within the next three weeks? Oh, we didn't even think about it yet. Yeah. You got a lot of irons in the fire right now. Um, so, you know, certainly don't know what bowl we're going to, um, but we certainly expect to be going to one. So you got, you know, we're going to practice a little bit, you know, um, kind of, I don't want to say like spring format, because it's not like that type of practice necessarily, but, you know, kind of spacing it out every other day, um, just to get some work, keep your swords, sword sharp a little bit. Um, you know, recruiting obviously is, is, is in full gear right now. Um, this week, it's a little unique. Um, 
you know, I kind of feel like we got screwed a little bit the last four years. We're in the conference championship, right. so we couldn't be right. on the road recruiting. That's right. This year, we could be on the road, but now you can't because they changed the recruiting, the evaluation period, but or contact period. But it's all right. Um, so we're just we're spending time with our players, making sure we're getting ready for our finals, all that stuff. We're going to continue to work. This week, we get to focus on these young guys that are going to be back next year, year after that, all that stuff. Continue to get them reps, um, and then. You know, obviously, you're putting together your recruiting plan for the next two weeks. You got official visits that are about to start happening every weekend. Um, we'll be on the road recruiting, you know, pretty much seven days a week. And then once you find out where your bowl is, who your opponent is, you got to figure out how to game plan and practice in between all that. So um, there's always a lot of challenges in that, um, a lot of logistics, you know, and everybody handles it a little bit differently. But right now, <coughs> I'm, I'm happy that we can be here with our players, spend a little bit more time with them right now, um, and then get all of our stuff organized to get on the road, um, you know, for the next couple of weeks and start working on the next class of Cajuns. I'm a big believer that the early signing period helps out power five, I'm sorry, group of five schools to where you guys can put a class together. And although someone may take some players for the signing period in February, at least you get a good amount and, you know, you can get some sleep compared to what it used to be. You got to make sure these guys are in, in there for like eight weeks or six weeks. And now, you know, you get to put a little bit of a class together and then now with the portal and the other signing period, you get to maybe pick and choose and fill the gaps that, uh, that you may need. Yeah, no, that's right. I love the early signing period. I mean, yeah. I think for the kids that know where they want to go, I think it's a great thing. I think for the schools that have built relationships with these kids, you know, and you get a chance to sign them early, I think, you know, you sign them. And, and I think that's, you know, you go ahead and, and seal the deal where, look, the reality of it is that these kids are so torn throughout this whole recruiting process. You know, you make these relationships and you develop these relationships with these kids and they go find a spot that they feel really, really good about and they commit. Then all of a sudden a different a different logo all right, comes along and they're intrigued by it sure. because of the perception that, hey, like this is something that I should be interested in. Everybody tells me I should be interested in. But they don't know anything about this school, this staff. They, they it's It's basically just – they're just picking off of the perception of what they should do and get a lot of bad decisions that way. And, and look, I'm, I have never been a big portal guy. And I know there's a lot of people in this league um, all around the country that love it. And they're taking everybody out of the portal that they possibly can. That that's fine. Um, the rules are changing though. All right. And people are not really paying attention to it. Right. If you take a transfer now, you're stuck with them, no matter what they do, they're on your scholarship number for the duration of their time with you. You can no longer take transfers mid-year unless they're graduate students or you're under 85. So all these guys in the portal right now, where are you going to go in, in, in January? Because your school's not going to keep you on scholarship while you leave. And the next school, unless they're under 85 initials, they can't put you on. So you're about to see some things that are happening here and, you know, it's – I still believe the way to build your team is through high school recruiting, all right? And you still – you use junior college and the transfer portal like junior college was always used. Like, hey, you know, we need some older guys that are here ready to play. Maybe we had a hole in our roster here or a gap. Um, the problem, though, is that 
it's harder to stay high school because you're getting more and more kids out of the portal that are older guys that have been in the program that are contributors right now. And, you know, you go the high school route where it takes time to develop those guys. So you just, you end up having more holes than you used to have, you know, it used to be someone didn't make it academically, you know, something like that would happen and you'd have to replace if you did it right, just one or two kind of through some of these older guys and, and do it that way. Now it's gotten to where it's harder to manage that. Um, but I still believe that you can do it through recruiting high school kids. And I want to recruit high school kids and I want to recruit their families and their high school coaches and all those things, because um, those are the people that care about these kids. You know I mean? They, 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 they've helped bring them up. They care about them. And um, you know, I, we're, we're going to work hard to keep our roster here intact. You know, the way that the game has changed, you can't keep them all. Um, I think it's obvious and that's going to happen. Um, I just, I worry that this portal thing, it's going to be more of a detriment than I think it is a help to a lot of these players. And that's the reality. And you tell them that, and they think that you're telling them a certain thing because, you know, obviously you're the head coach at UL. You want me to stay just because you're the coach here. And it's like, certainly that's part of it, but you need to know the rules before, before you start playing the game. All right. You can't play a game if you don't know the rules. And I'm a, you know, like I said, we're going to do our best to keep them all here because we recruited them here and we want them here. We love them. Um, but, you know, it's, it's part of the deal that you got to manage now is just the, the attrition that you can't control. All right. One more question. Mike Desmo has given us a lot of time, probably more than he expected. So I appreciate your time, but I can't let you go without asking you this. Behind you, you got a number 36 cap. And behind me, and I'm going to be the one who breaks down, I got a number 36 cap on my mantle. What's it mean to you? I don't have many regrets in my life. Um, Really don't. One of the biggest ones that I do have was that I I didn't play baseball here Mm -hmm. for Coach Robichaud as well. Um, When I got recruited out of high school, it was to do both, and I was going to play both. And um, some things happened here with football that kind of made it more difficult for that to happen. Um, But through it all, Coach Robichaud was, I mean, unbelievable. I mean, even going in – after my senior year, he told me, he's like, look, man, you got another semester of eligibility. He's like, if you want to play baseball, he's like, I'll put you on my roster, your spring semester. You can play, you know, whatever it is. I mean, he just, for whatever reason, I don't know why, I felt like he always kind of liked me and had a fondness for me. And I certainly have always had the utmost respect for him. Um, he always made time, even when I came back as an assistant coach, I mean, always made time for conversations which I think he was like that with everybody. You know, I think that's why so many people (laughs) feel an emotional attachment to him. Um, But he just had a way, like he could just tell when you were struggling a little bit, you know, and he could just kind of see, and he would just stop and talk. And, you know, I mean, sometimes 30, 45 minutes. I mean, when I knew the guy was on his way home after work and he would just sit there next thing you know, I was like, you're apologizing. I coach, I'm sorry, man. I kept you here for 45 minutes, you know, and, you know, I, I know you're trying to go home and he just, I don't know. He just, he had like this gift for, he could read people. Um, he could tell when you needed, you know, when you, when you needed something in um, his, his impact on this university, I think is what, you know, when you talk about choosing meaningful work and you talk about doing things um, that make a difference, like, I, I don't know 
I would hope that everyone who got into coaching got into coaching because they wanted to help kids and young people. Um, and certainly, the you know, Coach Robichaux won. I mean, I don't know, I don't know how many. I mean, over a thousand games. I think I don't even. Right. Know I mean, right. right. Yeah. I mean, yep. ridiculous amount of games. Um, but that has like that pales, I think, in comparison to the. I mean, I never played for the guy, and I feel strongly a certain way about him. You know, I mean, I, I can. That's why I regret not having had that opportunity or having made that opportunity work. Um, but you know, it's, uh, it's something that, you know, I do consider myself very fortunate to have had to have at least a little bit of a relationship with him and gotten to hear some of those things from him. Cause I think, uh, he was one of the best to ever do it. And certainly, um, he's the kind of person that you would love, you, you want to model yourself after you'd like to try to emulate in some way. Please tell me you've told somebody I'd rather uh, tame a Mustang than kick a donkey. I've never told anybody that. He's got, he's got some good ones. <laughs> a he's got, as it. Oh, there he's you go. His, in his, he's got his book right there. He's got, he's got a bunch of good ones in there. I use his book quite a bit, but I haven't used that one. That's a good one. He is Mike Desimo, head coach of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Congratulations on a good season and uh, going to a bowl game. Wishing you all the best of luck, coach. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it, man. All right. That was, that was great. Thank you. Any senior bowlers heading my way? No, we got a couple guys that have bowl invites, um, okay. but no, no, no Reese's senior bowls. So, oh, all right. I thought Jefferson might. And then I looked at Garrett. I mean, he's listed at five, nine, one seventy five. That's that is small. And that's what he's listed at. So, yeah, we were we were hoping. But uh, I, I don't I don't know if we're going to get anybody in it this year, but they, they're going to have some opportunities to go some other spots, which would be good for them. So. All right. Good. 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 Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, coach. We'll talk again. Thanks, Dave. OK, bye bye.